getting to the mountaintop and winning a title, we sort of hold those biases at face value and we don't really change our opinion on things. And even in some cases, like lightning rod athletes like LeBron James, you know, he's won some titles or Kevin Durant's won some titles, but we still kind of discount it by saying, well, they formed a super team or they didn't do it, you know, the normal way by joining an organization and then that team building through the draft and gradually getting better and better until they reach the top. But in most cases, if you win it all, the narrative kind of goes away. For years, Dirk Nowitzki was known as a soft player, couldn't get it done. He was a seven-footer that didn't play in the post. He was very unique. Now, I mean, that's commonplace, but at the time, it was, hey, if that guy doesn't get tougher, if he can't get two feet in the paint, if he can't play better defense, he's never going to win it all. Well, then in 2011, he goes, runs the gamut, wins an NBA title, and suddenly everything shifted. He was revered as one of the greatest that ever played the game. And I want to get to some Mavericks talk in a second. But the knock on the Clippers, I mean, historically, they've just been a laughable franchise. They've been irrelevant. But they got better. They had Lob City with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, and that team couldn't really get over the hump. And then Kawhi gets there, Paul George. They're supposed to take down the Lakers. They're supposed to be the team that runs L.A. They did not do that in year one. They faded down the stretch, had a 3-1 lead on the Nuggets, and blew that. And then this season, you know, the Mavericks push them to seven. But they won that series. They go down 2-0 to Dallas, and they come back and win that series. They were facing elimination against Utah, and they came back and they won that series, even when Kawhi Leonard went out. I saw this stat this morning, Ty Lue, their coach. And Ty Lue, another guy, he kind of got saddled with this idea that he was just LeBron's, he was the latest LeBron chauffeur. He he got that job because he was tight with LeBron in Cleveland, and he was just sort of along for the ride in one of the greatest title comebacks ever when they took down the Warriors. But if you listen to people that were around that team, including Brian Windhorst, who, yeah, I mean, he is part of the, Le- the LeBron James propaganda machine. He's been covering that guy since high school. However, he did say in his book about that group that in halftime of Game 7, Ty Lue challenged that team. He challenged LeBron James. He said, you have to be better. If we're going to win, you have to be better. And they came back and they won that series. They won that Game 7. Ty Lue is 10-2 in elimination games as a coach. Now, that's an amazing stat. It's still a relatively small sample size. But elimination games, like game seven, your back's against the wall, or game five, game six, when you're on the ropes, in a lot of cases, that's people say it's like flip a coin. And it, it comes down to who has the best player. But I think Ty Lue has gotten it done in situations where his team shouldn't even be favored to win. They should not have beaten the Jazz. I don't even think when Kawhi was at full strength, they should have beaten Utah. But certainly when he went down, they had no chance. They got a crazy game from Terrence Mann. But one thing that they did do in that series is they took Rudy Gobert, who was the defensive player of the year, and they pulled him out of the paint, and they said, we don't think you can guard pick and rolls. And we're going to go small, we're going to put a lot of guards on the floor, and we're going to force you to be in a situation that you're uncomfortable, uncomfortable with, which is guarding smaller guys in space. And they lit him up. It was a brilliant coaching move by Ty Lue. And now, facing elimination again last night against a Suns team that's cooking with Devin Booker and Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. 
they get it done again, and they force a game six. Now, I, I don't think L.A. wins the series, but I will say, I feel like, in fairness to them, the idea that this is a mentally weak team that just can't get it done in big situations, we got to reevaluate that. I think they've exceeded expectations this offseason, or this season, excuse me, this postseason. So I want to talk some Mavericks here in a minute. Steven Simcox, I'm filling in for Matt Mosley on the Matt Mosley Show. I also, though, want to give a shout-out. Central National Bank, they're our presenting sponsor. They're wonderful. And they did something fantastic for me. They sent me a gift today. I recently had a son, my son Sawyer. He was just born. And they sent me a gift, a piggy bank. Brian, uh, Brian Fonville sent me this. And they said, hey, it's never too early to save. Pass this along to your son. Thank you so much to Central National Bank. And that's one of the things we love about CMB. They're just good people. They take care of you. You know, it, it's personal business, right? It's not just, you're not just a number. If, if you bank with them, you're not just someone uh, amongst a million other people. You are a customer, a valued customer. And they make that clear. So shout out to Central National Bank. They have a couple locations here in Waco, a location there in Austin. They say bank different, bank central. You can call them even late at night. You can give them a call and somebody's going to answer the phone. You're not going to talk to an automated service. You're not going to talk to a robot. You're going to talk to an actual human person, Central National Bank. Bank with them today. And, and thank you so much to, to Brian Fonville and Joe Nesbitt and the guys there for sending me this great gift uh, for, for Baby Sawyer. I really appreciate that. So in this first segment here, I want to talk about the Dallas Mavericks. And what I want to discuss with Dallas is they made it official. It's been rumored now for a while, but they finally put pen to paper. Jason Kidd's the new head coach. Nico Harrison, a former Nike, Nike executive, is the new general manager. Dallas, again, bowed out in the first round. They took the Clippers to the wire. And I, I think if you said before that series to most Mavs fans, Dallas is going to take Clippers, the Clippers to seven games and lose a close game seven on the road in L.A., most people would say, wow, that's, that's better than I thought they would do. Or that's encouraging. That's a little bit better than what they did last season. Because honestly, I mean, it was a six-game series last year in the bubble. But... L.A. dominated that series for the most part. Luka Doncic had two insane games. He hit a shot at the buzzer that tied that thing up at 2-2. But I, I never really felt like, oh, yeah, Dallas is going to win this series. But there were times this year where I felt like they, they could have won, should have won, and they just couldn't get it done, which is unfortunate. But Luka Doncic... He's an outstanding player. He's an amazing player. He's been fantastic for this Dallas team. He still hasn't gotten out of the first round. And he's he's a young guy. But you look at what the Hawks are doing. Hawks are playing in the Eastern Conference Finals right now, playing the Bucs. They're down 2-1. They play tonight. Trey Young's status is uncertain. He has an ankle injury. Luka and Trey Young were traded for each other on draft night. And I still feel like Luka Doncic is the better player. But Trey Young is having an amazing postseason. He's averaging 29 points a game in the postseason. 29 points a game. 
And the Hawks have done a fantastic job of building a great team around him. John Collins has been a revelation at the power forward position. They have some bigs that can shoot in uh, Danilo Gallinari and Bogdanovich. Kevin Herter's been someone that stepped up and been a dead-eye shooter at that two spot. DeAndre Hunter's given them good minutes. They got Clint Capella from the Rockets, and he's been a great defender, great rim protector, somebody that can score on pick and rolls, can finish. Lou Williams comes off the bench and does some nice things for them. Atlanta has a complete team, but it all starts and ends with Trey Young, and he's in the conference finals. The number one pick in that draft, DeAndre Ayton, he's in the Western Conference Finals. He's probably going to play for a chance to win an NBA title in a few weeks. And he's not the leader of that team. Devin Booker is. And Chris Paul is the veteran presence that has taken a young core of talent and really turned them into a great basketball team. But DeAndre Ayton's averaging 16 points a game in the playoffs. And he's been really good for Phoenix. Mikael Bridges is a great defender. Campaign has given them good minutes. Jay Crowder is another hard-nosed great defender. And in these two teams I'm talking about, they are great teams, right? Like they are complete teams. And Dallas right now is Luka Doncic and a bunch of role players. I like Tim Hardaway Jr. But if he's your number two guy, I, I don't think you're going very far. Chris Stapps Porzingis has gone AWOL. And the thing about having a guy like Luka is when your usage is that high, when you have the ball in your hands that much and you're orchestrating the offense all the time, it's great because you have a dynamic playmaker who's in control. But the flip side of that, the problem with that is other guys get used to just kind of standing around. And part of the issue there, too, is Dallas, to be fair, they don't have a lot of guys on that roster that can create their own shot. Honestly, I mean, Hardaway can take you off the bounce, but it's probably going to be in a situation where you're closing out on him and he's pumped faking a three and he's getting to the rim. You're not calling a lot of isolation plays for Tim Hardaway Jr. He is a shooter. Porzingis in New York played a lot in the post. Now, he can step out and shoot the three, and that's a valuable thing when you have a seven-footer. But where he made his money in New York was in the high post and playing a lot of isolation. They ran the offense through him. That's not what they do in Dallas. It's a very different role. It has not worked. They shook up the rotation a little bit. They sent Seth Curry to Philly in exchange for Josh Richardson. And that experiment did not work. So Nico Harrison, his job, and the reason they brought Nico Harrison in was because he's a Nike executive. He has a good relationship with players around the NBA. And Dallas is not a team that's going to build through the draft. Mark Cuban has never cared about the draft. That's not how he, uh, that's not how he does things. By the way, if you're listening, uh, our, our FM signal right now is down, but you can catch us on 1660 AM. If you're streaming us right now and you're going to switch to radio here in a second, 1660 AM is where you can catch us. 92.3 FM is down at the moment. So sorry for that, but we'll get it fixed as soon as we can. But back to the Mavericks quickly. 
so Nico Harrison is coming in as the GM. And he's a Nike executive. He has good relationships with the players. Mark Cuban does not care about the draft. The way they want to build this team is through free agency. They want to go get guys to surround Luka Doncic and inform a big three that way. And they're asking him to do that. But the thing is, Dallas has struck out in free agency a lot over the years. So, okay, Nico, you're the guy. That's a lot of pressure on him. It's a lot of pressure on a GM to come in, and his job's basically, you know, recruiting talent. They have to find somebody who can take some of the pressure off Luka Doncic. As great as he is, you cannot have him handling the ball 24-7 all the time. You look at all the teams that are in the conference finals. Bucks are a great example. Giannis Antetokounmpo is an amazing player. He's gotten up to a brick wall the last few years in the playoffs. And what happens is he's not a great jump shooter. So what teams do is they pack the paint. And when he comes down and tries to finish at the rim, they shoot, you know, they send two or three defenders at him. They force him to pass the ball. And in, in the past seasons, Milwaukee's supporting cast has not stepped up. But Chris Middleton the other night stepped up in a big way for Milwaukee. And he was the leader for them in the fourth quarter. Trey Young in that game seven against Philly. Against Philly, the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. He was five of 23 from the field. Had a bad shooting night. Now, he still hit a big shot late in the game. And he still was somebody that commanded a lot of attention. But it was his team that picked him up. DeAndre Ayton, number one pick in the draft. He has not been asked to be the leader of that team. Devin Booker and Chris Paul have come in and taken a lot of that scoring load, and he's fit in a role really nicely. Now, Luka's still going to be the main guy. Let's not get it twisted. But Dallas has to find more help for them. That's the challenge for the Mavericks. That's what Nico Harrison is being brought in to do. That's what Jason Kidd as the head coach is being brought in to facilitate a culture where you're, you're playing more team basketball. And we'll see how that turns out as things progress. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Matt Meyer sat down with Matt Mosley recently. We'll hear, that, we'll hear that, some of that interview. This is the Matt Mosley Show. I'm Stephen Simcox, and this is ESPN and Fox Sports Central Texas. This is a Fox 44 weather update. I'm Chief Meteorologist Mike LaPointe. A few showers possible early this evening. Otherwise, it'll be mostly cloudy and muggy with lows falling to 73 degrees. Partly sunny skies tomorrow with a 40% chance of scattered showers, maybe an isolated storm and a high of 91. And on Thursday, partly cloudy skies, a 20% chance of a passing shower and a high of 93. Join me every weeknight during Fox 44 News at 536 and 9. For your forecast first, plus check out fox44news.com for any changes in the weather. Recently on the John Morris Show. Frank was just such a gentleman, such a great representative of Baylor University. And it wasn't just Baylor. I mean, he was doing the Baylor games, but he was so well-respected that he was doing Southwest Conference basketball TV games every week. And the other coaches in the Southwest Conference were okay with that just because Frank was so so fair and did such a great job for their schools and for the league. Tune in to the Voice of the Bears weekdays from 2 to 3 p.m. here on ESPN Central Texas. Central Texas, what's happening? It's your boy Q, and I want to personally invite you out to Walk On Sports Bistro and Bar this Friday from 11 to 2. Unnecessary Roughness will be broadcasting all the way live and sending you into your 4th of July weekend the right way. Ward Whites and me will have plenty of giveaways, we'll have special guests, and we'll have all the sports talk conversations and topics that you care about. This is going to be a party and a celebration you don't want to miss. It's Friday, July 2nd from 11 to 2 and beyond. Unnecessary Roughness at Walk On Sports Bistro and Bar with ESPN and Fox Sports Central Texas. When you're dealing with life's ups and downs, 
It helps to know the ins and outs of insurance. Farmers Insurance has been sharing practical insurance knowledge for more than 90 years. At David Greenup Insurance Agency, they know a thing or two because they've seen a thing or two. Contact David Greenup Farmers Insurance Agency at 254-855-8889 to find out how he can help you protect the things that matter most to you. That's Greenup Insurance Agency at 254-855-8889. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. The Jeep Freedom Day sales event is going on right now at Freedom Country in Killeen. And you can catch a great deal on hundreds of vehicles, both in-store or online. And every new Jeep comes with a membership to America's most valuable customer care program, the Jeep Wave Customer Care Program. Get worry-free maintenance for your new Jeep at no additional cost. Come see why you can always buy for less in Killeen. Visit us in-store or online at freedomcountry.com. We're making car buying easy with five makes, two stores, all in one location at Freedom Country. To remind pet owners that Progressive covers pets on our auto policy at no extra charge, we decided to make a really cute pet-themed radio commercial. Can you hear that puppy? If you could see this, you would melt. I mean, just the softest fur. Oh, wait. He's trying to open this box now. And, oh, the box is filled with kittens. If only there was some way you could see this. <laughs> oh, what a glaring oversight. Get coverage for your pets with an auto policy from Progressive. A risk casualty insurance company and affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with the purchase of collision coverage and is subject to policy terms. Back here on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN and Fox Sports Central Texas. I'm Stephen Simcox. Matt's out today, so I'm rolling solo, but he'll be back tomorrow. And uh, you can chime in on the conversation anytime. Uh, my apologies. I did not throw the, the uh, number out in the first segment. 254-662-1660. Again, that's 254-662-1660. The show is presented by Central National Bank. We love those guys out there. Brian Fonville, Joe Nesbitt, Bank Different, Bank Central, Central National Bank. We're also brought to you in part by uh, Steckler, Wayne, Cochran, and Cherry, the law firm there in Waco, and we're happy to have them aboard as well. Smalt Sandwich Shop will have trivia contest tomorrow where you can win a few free sandwiches from Schmaltz's. But Diane asked me on the text line during the break or at the end of that segment, one of the two, what I thought about Brian Windhorst's comments about Luka Doncic. Brian Windhorst, uh, ESPN insider for the NBA. So what he said, this was either today or yesterday. Sorry, Diane, if I, if I don't know exactly when this was, but I think I know what you're referring to. He basically said that Luka Doncic is a tough guy to play with and play for. He's irritable. He barks at the referees a lot. He barks at coaches, at players. He's demanding. So it's it's an interesting question, and I appreciate I appreciate the discussion. Um, I want to hear your thoughts too on the Mavericks two five four six six two sixteen sixty. Do you think Jason Kidd is a good fit to coach this team? Do you feel like Nico Harrison is a good fit for the GM role? We might hear from Matt Meyer here with Matt Mosler. I might just keep this going for this segment. We'll see how it goes. Going back to Luca though, and him being a tough guy to play with. You know, Dallas in the Dirk era, they constantly, after they won the title in 2011, they basically, they, they took the strategy of we're going to keep the the uh, the keg dry, right? Like we're going to maintain financial flexibility. 
and pour all our resources in trying to land a big-time free agent. <laughs> and every offseason would play out the same way. They would swing, they would miss, and then they would sign some veteran, Monte Ellis, O.J. Mayo, guys who, who just came in and in their job was essentially to keep them competitive, make the playoffs, make a run at the playoffs, but you always knew they weren't an actual title contender. And aside from pushing the Spurs to a seven-game series, I think that was in 2015, and pushing the Clippers to a seven-game series in 2021, they haven't gotten out of the first round since they won that title. It's been a decade. But when when they had Dirk, people always thought, well, Dirk is a real affable guy. He's very relatable. He gets along well with people. People love him. Obviously, he had a ton of respect around the league. Surely, somebody would want to come play with him. A big star would want to come play with him. In Texas, there's no state tax. Free agents are going to want to come here because they'll get more money. Well, it never worked. And, and I think a big part of that was Dirk Nowitzki he wasn't somebody that was going to try to sell himself to you. I, I think Dirk, one, he, he doesn't really like the spotlight. Two, he accomplished what he accomplished. He's not as media savvy as LeBron or some of the stars in the league. He didn't do a ton of endorsements. I just didn't get the impression that he was somebody that was going to fly out to Miami and meet with somebody and be like, hey, you need to come to Dallas because of X, Y, and Z, and we want you here, and I'll do anything for you. I think he was a great teammate, but I, I don't feel like he wanted to play those games. I don't know where Luka Doncic stands on that front. I'm not sure if he's somebody that would go out and recruit people hard. I mean, NBA stars now, that's part of the game. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they hashed out where they were going during the All-Star break a couple of years ago. LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh, they had that plan brewing for a while. LeBron will go recruit people. I don't know where Lucas stands on that front, but as far as him being tough to play with, it's a concern. I, I think the question is, is he good enough to overcome that? Because the great players, and I'm not putting Luka in this class right now. I'm, I'm not saying this. I'm not comparing him to these people. But for the most part, people that make it to the pinnacle of professional sports or at the top of their craft, they're kind of prickly. They're kind of tough to deal with. I wouldn't classify Michael Jordan as somebody who was easy to get along with or deal with. He was a maniacal competitor. Pushed the heck out of his teammates. And because of that, I mean, I, I think he has some really strained relationships. But people wanted to play with him and gave everything they had for him because they understood, well, that guy can get me a title. At the end of the day, he can get me a ring. LeBron, not easy to deal with. Now, he's, he's not uh, – Michael Jordan told you exactly what he thought. I mean, he would challenge people. He would go after people. LeBron's relationship style seems to be very, very passive-aggressive. He'll kind of throw subtle shots at teammates in the media or on social media. And he has his people, and those are his people, and I think he's a little too loyal. I feel like he lets guys hang around and get roster spots that don't need to be on those teams. But again, I think he can be tough to deal with.
Tom Brady, we've heard some stories about him. Him and Bill Belichick, that relationship kind of soured over the years. Again, tough guy to be around. Very demanding. So it doesn't surprise me that Luka Doncic is demanding. I think in my mind, my concern, Diane, would be, is he good enough to back that up? Because right now, you can say he's not. He still hasn't gotten out of the first round. And I don't think a lot of people are going to be flocking to play with Luka Doncic and deal with somebody who's tough to be around and demanding and gets after players and gets after coaches if they're not going to have playoff success. And Rick Carlisle walked away. I mean, it's worth noting Rick Carlisle did not. The understanding I have is he was not fired. He said, hey. I'm going to go elsewhere. And he went to the Indiana Pacers. Pacers are not a team with a great roster. They're also, I mean, I think that's a smart organization, but you're pretty limited limited at Indiana as far as who you're going to get. You're going to have to draft well. So I don't think that's a better opportunity. And a big part of that, I'm sure, was, well, maybe I need to get away from this, this guy. Maybe I need to get away from my star. So that's an issue. Him and Chris Porzingis don't get along. Everybody blames KP because he struggled, which is fair. But, I mean, is, is Luka doing everything he can to get everything out of the guy that's supposed to be the second best player on that team? I don't know the answer to that question, but, yeah, it's worth noting. I mean, guys go play with their friends. They go play with players they have good relationships with. Or they'll hop in somewhere and just say, you know what, this dude's hard to deal with, but man, if he can get me to the promised land, I'll ride with him, right? Leon says, uh, sounds like Michael Jordan, Reggie Miller, Luca. they just want to win with good players around them. If you don't get good players around them, who wouldn't be barking? LeBron did the same thing in Cleveland and Miami. Yeah, it's a good point, man. I mean... Those guys are demanding. I think of the late Kobe Bryant when he was in L.A. Late in his career, when he didn't have much around him. And I think eventually Kobe kind of took the approach of, okay, I'm a mentor. I need to help these guys. But he also was annoyed at the fact that he was the best player on that team, the one carrying the load. He didn't appreciate that these guys didn't work hard that the players around him didn't work hard. And he was another player that was tough and demanding. And I think he figured it out as he matured. So uh, another part of this too might be Lucas still in his early 20s. As he gets older, you would hope he matures a little bit more and trusts his teammates more and understands how to manage people better. I think Michael Jordan figured out later in his career how to manage people better. Again, not comparing the two guys. I know MJ is the best ever. I'm just using an example here of great players that might also be kind of tough to deal with on the personal side. Mr. Barry and Cove, he said, I don't care what anybody else says. Jason Kidd was a great hire. Don't know much about the GM, but kid's going to take Dallas places. So let's stop down that topic for a minute. And thank you, Mr. Barry, for chiming in. Anybody can, 254-662-1660 if you want to join in on the conversation. Mavs hired Jason Kidd and great, great player, great point guard, 
high, high basketball IQ, off the charts type type of basketball smarts. Went immediately from playing to coaching. Took that job with the Brooklyn Nets. So here's Jason Kidd's coaching record, just year by year. His first year in Brooklyn, they were 44 and 38. And then he had a situation where he didn't get along with front office. They let him go. He went to Milwaukee. He was 41 and 41, then 33 and 49, 42 and 40. And finally in 2018, he was 23 and 22 before he got let go midseason. So that record's not great. You're talking about two seasons where he was over 500, and his best season, his best full season, was six games over 500 with those Nets teams with that Nets team that he had his first year. I'm not as high on the Jason Kidd hire as a lot of people are, and I would guess I'm not as excited about it as as you are, Mr. Barry. And I'll I'll try to explain myself. One, just looking rundown there year by year, I think he's been a mediocre head coach so far. Now, in fairness to Jason Kidd, as I said, he was fresh out of playing the game immediately comes into coaching. That's a big responsibility. It's a big change. I think it's very possible that in the two seasons he's spent on the bench with the Lakers as an assistant coach, he's learned some things. That he's added to the repertoire a little bit, added to the tool belt. Probably looks back at his stints in Milwaukee and Brooklyn and says, okay, here's some things I can do differently. He also didn't have an amazing roster. He had Giannis, but at the time Giannis was very young, very raw. He hadn't come into himself yet. However, I mean, Dallas, you have Luka Doncic, and we talked about their roster issues. Leon mentioned it. He kind of just has a lot of role players around him right now. So he's not, he's not walking into a stacked environment. So I, I can't say with confidence that he's just going to walk in and turn this thing around and get this team going. Now... <laughs> I mean, again, smart guy, sharp dude. JB just chimed in and said, so do you think Steve Kerr would have won with the teams Jason Kidd had? No, probably not. I mean, you're right, JB. A big part of it is what talent do you have, especially in the NBA because it's a player-driven league. But I can't look back at those teams that he had in Brooklyn and Milwaukee and see a lot of improvement. I mean, I just ran down those records, right? 44 and 38, 41 and 41, 33 and 49, 42 and 40, and then hanging around 500 in his last season before he got fired. So I'm not seeing marked improvement. I think Giannis unlocked himself as a player and unlocked his full potential after Jason Kidd left. And I don't know if that was Mike Budenholzer or if that was just a dude that was maturing and it was bad timing for Kidd. But I didn't see a great NBA head coach on the sidelines in those four or five years that he was there. And I think Rick Carlisle's a really good coach. So do I feel like, personally, Jason Kidd's an upgrade? No. Now, changing, you know, changing the culture, changing dynamics, that can sometimes just be helpful on its own. JB mentioned Steve Kerr. That's a good example. I think Mark Jackson's actually a good NBA head basketball coach. But with Golden State, they kind of hit a ceiling. And they parted ways. 
and then Steve Kerr came in and they went to another level. Rick Carlisle had been there for a decade plus. The team had kind of stalled out on progress. So simply just having a new voice in there, that might be a good thing. That might be something that gets the organization kickstarted. And I do like the idea of Jason Kidd, who is one of the best passers ever, an amazing point guard, working with Luka Doncic on how to have a more complete team concept in Dallas and not putting so much of the scoring weight on his shoulders. JC said, if Kid and Luka get sideways, then what? Are you going to fire Kid to make Luka happy? That's what happens when you let the players decide who to hire. It won't get better, only worse. Well, yeah, JC, I mean, that's the fine line, right? That's the fine line you got to walk in the NBA is players run the show, but obviously when you give them all the power, there can be consequences to that. I think if if Luka and Kid get sideways and I have to choose between the two of them, I would choose Luka right now. Now that's, you know, in June of 2021. Let's see how that situation plays out. At the moment, I don't think any of them are extremely proven, but I would take Luka as a player more than I would Jay Kidd as a coach. But that's me right now. That could change in the coming months. I think the main thing is it's it's talent acquisition one, right? Like you have to get better players around him. And then what does Jason Kidd bring to the table that's different? One thing that Luka Doncic mentioned is he seems to do better when there's less structure. Like Rick Carlisle is, is an old school coach and that he wants to call plays. Guys bring it up the floor. He wants to call out signals and direct the traffic. Doncic seemed to do better in, you know, the area of improv, everybody clear out, let me do my thing. And Jason Kidd might be up for more of that. As a former point guard himself, I could see him saying, hey, do your thing, man. We'll, we'll have less structure on this offense. It'll run through you as long as you make good decisions. Final text and then we'll go to break. Diane said uh, getting Jason Kidd in is, getting, is a step in getting Damian Lillard Heard it here first. And that's a that's another interesting subplot, Dan. So Damian Lillard in Portland, he said, hey, I would love to play for Jason Kidd. Recently, a story came out that he might be unhappy in Portland. If, if that happens, then everything changes. If Dame's on the Dallas roster along with Luka, then we're talking about a great, great team. I'd put Leon out there to coach him. Just kidding, Leon. I know you're, you're a, a good coach. I know you have some experience there. I'd put myself out there to coach those two guys, and I think we'd be okay. I'm not sure what Dallas has to offer Portland, though, that would be intriguing. And we all know the story with Porzingis. He's not the same guy he was a few years ago. They don't have a lot of draft capital, but if he really does want to play for Jason Kidd and he wants to force his way out, then if I'm Mark Cuban, I'm on the phone every single day saying, what does it take? Because aside from Luka... I'll send you anybody for Damian Lillard. Coming up next, I'll let you hear a little bit of Matt Mosley and his thoughts on some of these topics. This is the Matt Mosley Show 
on ESPN and Fox Sports Central Texas. Recently on Game Time. We're joined now by the national champion head coach, Mitch Thompson. Having played in the championship game in 15, we were on the doorstep. In 17, we had a great club, and we've been pretty consistent. I think we've been able to put together a really good program with really good coaches and players every year. And You know, I'm sitting here staring at the trophy in my office right now, and it's, it's making me smile, but it makes me want to go back and get another one. Game Time, weekdays 4 to 6 p.m. on ESPN Central Texas. Central Texas, what's happening? It's your boy Q, and I want to personally invite you out to Walk On Sports Bistro and Bar this Friday from 11 to 2. Unnecessary Roughness will be broadcasting all the way live and sending you into your 4th of July weekend the right way. Ward Whites and me will have plenty of giveaways, we'll have special guests, and we'll have all the sports talk conversations and topics that you care about. This is going to be a party and a celebration you don't want to miss. It's Friday, July 2nd from 11 to 2 and beyond. Unnecessary Roughness at Walk On Sports Bistro and Bar with ESPN and Fox Sports Central Texas. For a limited time, refinance your vehicle and have 90 days with zero payments. Only at Genco FCU. Refinancing lowers your rate and you pay less for your car. You can't pass on rates as low as 1.75% for 48 months. Apply online today. Annual percentage rate subject to change without notice. Subject to credit approval, membership eligibility, and loan policies. Go to GencoFCU.org. NCUA equal housing lender. My money, my future, my credit union. Slovacek Sausage has found a great home in Central Texas, and we're growing with you. We have found so many ways to celebrate all the great things about Texas. Football, family, and friends, and so much more. We have all of the barbecue, specialty meats, and over 35 kinds of kolaches to make your next meal or gathering a great success, and we do all the work. If you're on the road, we have the best place for your pooch to stop and stretch with our beautiful dog park. So with the hospitality of Texas and our Czech heritage, Vita me vas. That means we welcome you. At Slovacek's, you'll love our sausage. My house has a new glow. I love my windows. Universal Windows Direct. Summer is here and so is home improvement season. It's time to get those windows replaced. Call Universal Windows Direct to Central Texas and schedule an in-home consultation where you can discuss your specific window needs with an expert team member. Universal's exclusive Unishield windows are sealed with Duralite, a non-metal spacer that has life expectancy five times that of other systems. And they offer 0% financing for 60 months. That's 0% financing for 60 months. Contact Universal Windows Direct to Central Texas for a free in-home estimate. Universal Windows Central Texas.com. That's Universal Windows Central Texas.com. Or call 254 301 7760. And be sure to check out their great Google and Angie List reviews. I love my windows. They've got that brand new home effect. Universal Windows Direct. Welcome back to the Matt Mosley Show presented by Central National Bank. Here's Matt Mosley. All right. Thank you so much for all the contributions on the text line. Didn't expect to go about 40 minutes of NBA talk there, Mavs talk, but it worked out that way. And Leon said we would both make good coaches, and I agree with that, Leon. I know Leon has some coaching in his background. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's fascinating. The NBA, I think the NFL is the best at just 24-7, 365. There's always something. They're always pushing something, whether it's the combine, the draft, free agency. They are always in the news. And the NBA replicates that. And, honestly, they do it in a lot of ways with 
what boils down to high school drama. <laughs> I mean, so many of the NBA stories are sources say player X is mad at the front office. Player X is mad at player Y. Player X is mad at the coach. It does make for good content, though. And I really want to see what Dallas does this offseason with Jason Kidd and Nico Harrison because it's been a long time since we've seen a shakeup. I mean, Donnie Nelson was in Dallas for a, a number of years. Rick Carlisle was the head coach for a long time. Mark Cuban's still there, but having different voices is, is something the Mavericks haven't pivoted to in a while, at least at those two positions. Before we go, here's Matt Mosley. Here's his some, some of his thoughts, excuse me, on uh, news and notes around the NBA. It is the Matt Mosley Show with Stephen Simcox, ESPN, Central Texas. It's on Tuesday and uh, having a big day today. And uh, we uh, appreciate everybody, appreciate our presenting sponsor, Central National Bank. Got a big announcement for the show on Thursday that I'm excited about. It involves coffee, involves ice cream. But uh, right now I wanted to visit about what happened um, in Phoenix last night. Uh, Our show loves the NBA. As you know, Stephen, big NBA guy. We love talking about it. We love football. We love everything, but uh, NBA especially. And what we've seen from this Clippers team is nothing short of remarkable. Down 2-0 against the Mavericks, fought back. Down 3-2 against the Mavericks, fought back. Uh, down early against Utah, they find a way. And in that series, in Game 4, they lose uh, Kawhi Leonard. Since Game 4 of that series, Reggie Jackson, Mr. June, we're calling him, instead of Mr. October, like the, the Reggie Jackson we all know in baseball, Reggie Jackson has been a revelation he has become, he's scoring almost 25 points a game. He has taken over Kawhi's points. He has become a tremendous big-time three-point shooter. He hit shots at the, at, in clutch. And I believe that uh, this is one of the, the most shocking postseason performances we've seen. We've seen individual games, I think Lou Dort a couple of years ago, or maybe it was in the uh, maybe it was in the bubble, uh, shocked us all with a couple of huge games. But this is a man in Reggie Jackson whose career had basically hit a wall, got paid about eighty million in Detroit. His body failed him. They basically bought out his contract and he finally ends up signing with the Clippers for the minimum. And he has become uh, a huge part of that team. In fact, he's uh, been inserted into the starting lineup. And that brings me to this. I think uh, I, because of his association with LeBron, I think everybody that's at some point coaches a LeBron team, same thing with Michael in, a little bit, in, in some ways, although Phil still is highly regarded by most people, maybe not Scottie Pippen. But I, I, I find that... Uh, Ty Lue, you know, reputations change in the playoffs. Reggie Jackson has now going to go on the open market and get enormous money because of how he's changed his reputation. Tyron Lue has come into a situation where Doc Rivers was fired, and he has helped change the reputation for this team. Now, it helps to have 
Marcus Morris Sr. I think Terrence Mann has become a nice player uh, off the bench. And, in fact, he's even started at times. And uh, he he was a – you know, they have some sort of backyard brawlers. In fact, that's what the Mavericks had hoped they were finding in like a Josh Richardson – who would come in and, and, and play some defense for them. In fact, it has not worked out. And uh, while Luca continues to show greatness, really the only consistent uh, teammate that he has is Tim Hardaway Jr. What the Clippers have found is something that that is truly remarkable. We talk about reputations changing. I, I think Paul George had become somewhat of a uh, – a little bit of a punchline and what Paul George has done in these playoffs is sort of redefine himself now he was coming and going in the Mavericks series and then finally kind of late in that series he got it rolling a little bit but since Kawhi has been out it's given him an opportunity to absolutely lead a team and in a game last night where the announcers were uh, kind of complaining that he wasn't asserting himself he absolutely took over the game and, in fact, in the third quarter, scored 20 points, was aggressive from three, was aggressive on the drive. He's a slithery player who can kind of do it all, has handles, gets himself free for jump shots. I mean, we go back and forth on, on what who this player is and what his legacy is going to be, but these single postseasons can redefine how we think of people, and and I believe Paul George has changed the way we think about him. Now, you know, I was leading the way in 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 laughing at him mainly because he called himself Playoff P, and we used that against him in a derisive manner. Well, what he's doing right now is uh, is phenomenal. He had forty one points last night. You know, in these games, he's having six, seven, eight assists, usually 13, 14 rebounds. So his all-around game is very good. In fact, you know, the way he's playing in the in these last two series reminds me a little bit of how Kawhi played in Toronto, how Kawhi put that team on his back, and sort of they had some really nice role players, like uh, uh, obviously, you know, what Reggie Jackson is doing. But for them at that time, they had Siakam, who stepped up? Lowry was a big part of that team. Van Vliet. Um, they, I mean, they had they had some really nice role players who surrounded Kawhi. I mean, that's what the Mavericks are are looking for. We didn't know the Clippers exactly had that, and then with Kawhi out, they sort of have. And whether it's Kennard coming in, um, whether it's, uh, I mean, what what a what what a situation you had last night, in fact, with Boogie Cousins, um, who's been a star in the league, but because of injuries and other things and aging, he's not really who he used to be. And he comes into that game and gives them a, a shot in the arm and ends up with 13 to 15 points and, and really gave them some great minutes. So um, this is a uh, this is a fascinating series in the sense that we saw what Denver did last year when they were down and, and the Clippers had them cornered 3-1. Well, the Clippers have become that team. The Clippers have become the team that uh, does not give up down 2-0, down 3-1. They seem to respond. They seem to be a very resilient team. I mean, can they go back to L.A. 
and, and then force a game seven? Absolutely, they can. And uh, and I and I think there's a pretty good chance. In fact, uh, I, I think Vegas will have the Clippers as a favorite at home, even though early in this, uh, not only the uh, the playoffs. Obviously, they had a, a problem against the Mavs winning games at home, and they lost the first three games at home to the Mavs before closing Dallas out in Game 7. You know, other things that are going on right now uh, in this other series, the Eastern Conference Finals, we're, we're seeing some really, really interesting things. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see if Trey Young, I'm hoping this ankle – uh, doesn't uh, prevent him from being who he is because when he's at his best, obviously he's a guy that can take over games. He's a lot of fun to watch, and so we need to see Trey Young at his best. What we've seen from Milwaukee is another fascinating thing in the NBA that we don't normally see, and that is a superstar player in, in Giannis Antetokounmpo who willingly – gives it up to another player when it comes to crunch time. Now, I I think we kind of use this to almost as a negative thing toward Giannis. I'm starting to view this more as a positive thing, though. I mean, imagine Michael Jordan. Imagine Kawhi. Imagine LeBron. uh, Even Durant. I guess Durant might be a little more likely to do this. But for the most part, all alpha-type players... That, that want the ball at crunch time. They're not trying to defer to other people. Um, I mean, 27 years later, Scottie Pippen is still complaining about not getting the ball uh, when, when Michael was away from the team and Tony Kukoc getting, getting the call. In, in the case of the Bucks, this is a phenomenal thing. This is a player that usually by the end of the game has 30 to 35 points. I'm talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak. He's usually uh, helped put them where they are to have a chance of closing out the game. And then he willingly, not only because he knows this, this, this player is a better free throw shooter than him, but he also knows this player is has become tremendous at finding his own shot, whether it be off the drive whether it be three-point shots. Chris Middleton, who played at uh, Texas A&M and now has been in the league for going on a decade, probably eight or nine years now, Chris Middleton has become a tremendous closer. And so that is why uh, at the end of games, Giannis Antetokounmpo is fine handing the ball over to Middleton to close. I think at times that seems strange to us. I think when it works, it seems perfectly fine. And uh, Antetokounmpo can still, you know, hit shots and still go for drives. I mean, he's he's tremendous. But I think that says a lot about his character that uh, he is willing to uh, defer to his teammates. Now, you know, I also think it, it – you know, that reminds me a little bit about this Baylor National Championship team. Jared Butler may have been the best player on the team, but at some point during the season he realized, hey, Davion Mitchell can close games too. Um, Macy Oteague, capable of closing out games. These players at some point realized that it was more important for the team to 
kind of go to whoever who had the hot hand, and uh, all those players took turns in closing out games and and hitting shots at huge moments, and that all led to the joyous ending, which was a blowout of a great Gonzaga team. Leave it to me to somehow find a Baylor tie-in with the NBA playoffs. So, uh, latest thing I did want to add on the NBA front, on the Mavericks, uh, there will be a news conference, I believe on the 15th, for whatever reason they're waiting to get the news conference done. But uh, Jason Kidd um, is the new head coach for the Mavs, and uh, he's been in town. And and obviously they have a GM, a new GM that's come from Nike. Um, I, I'm going to have to learn more about that situation. I think it's almost more about the ability to recruit some of these Nike uh, players that that he's known for years. I mean, it's it's an it's an interesting move. It's not one I'm willing to go, oh, this is the greatest move ever. I think there were other candidates out there that uh, that seemed to, to be better basketball people. But whatever, I guess we're supposed to celebrate Mark Cuban for thinking outside the box at all times. A lot of times I find that to be overblown, quite frankly. The Jason Kidd thing, I've thought more about it. I, I think it's an interesting approach. I think it'll be this move is all about Luka. What makes Luca the most comfortable? Can he get the best out of Luca? It just because Jason Kidd was a tremendous point guard, one of the great point guards to ever play in this league. Does that mean he's going to be the best coach for Luca? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, I I think he going to the Lakers. He's had a little bit. Uh, of an opportunity to learn and be away from head coaching, and maybe he'll be better this time. I'm just saying, when a guy's been at Brooklyn, when he's been with the Bucks, and it didn't work, I mean, that should tell you something. But super former NBA superstars are going to get chance after chance after chance. And the Mavericks are trying to tap back into this 2011-type scene. Is it, is it going to work? I, I, it's really, I think it's extremely difficult to say. Uh, I, I think it's an interesting thing to try, but, uh, but I think we could be back here in a year and a half or two years making another change. And so you've left the stability of Rick Carlisle to go with maybe the upside. And by the way, Rick Carlisle had not made the playoffs since the championship team. I mean, he'd not won a playoff series, I should say. So it, it may have been time for a change. It is Mosley and Simcox. We enjoy doing this with you every day, and um, we uh, we've had a we've had a lot of fun these last uh, couple of weeks, and we will continue to do so. And uh, it is coming up on time. It's game time with uh, Tom Barfield takes a look at the the local high school scene as well as college baseball, does a lot of Major League Baseball, does a really nice job. You will get to continue to hear from Stephen Simcox. It is game time. Game time will take you all the way to 6 o'clock. For Stephen Simcox, I am Matt Mosley. Let's be watching the Eastern Conference Finals, and then let's come in here tomorrow ready to react. Thank you, Central National Bank. It's now time for game time.